we've all had the experience of being around someone who's grumpy, even our spouse or children, and then soon felt grumpy as well. A mother of multiple children recently asked us, when the people around me, AKA my children, are grumpy, negative, or down, how do I not let that affect me? Negative emotions and grumpiness are an inevitable and normal part of life. But when those around you are moody or grumpy, how do you keep that from bringing you down as well? Is it possible to stay happy or positive in such cases? And if so, how? And is it possible to positively influence those around you so that they can better process their negative emotions and return more quickly to a positive state? With deliberate intention and focus, it is possible to become the rising tide that lifts all boats. You can become a great force for good in your family and develop the skill of maintaining positivity. Not fake, masked happiness, but true, appropriate, positive emotion that becomes a stabilizing force in your most important relationships. This episode is very real and relevant to anyone who has to interact regularly with people who aren't always happy, which is especially true if you're married or have children or plan on it one day. Make sure to listen until the end where we ask, how do you want your children to remember you emotionally? What kind of person do your children see you as? And what emotional memory will they have of you? We'll discuss all this and more in this very practical discussion between parents of seven children with 20 plus years of experience. If you enjoy this episode or any of our episodes, would you please do us a favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or at our website, podcast.extraordinaryfamilylife.com. When you leave us a rating and a review, it helps to make this world a better place by getting this podcast into the ears of more parents. Parents are the molders and shapers of the future generations. We all need all the help we can get to be the best people and the best parents we can. Families with thriving parents raise thriving children who grow up to have a positive impact on their own families and communities, which leads to better nations and a better world. So you can have an impact by taking a minute to share the podcast with someone who will benefit from it and by leaving a rating or review. And make sure to follow us on Instagram if you're not already. You can find us at World School Family or at Greg.Denny. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. But let's get into this useful and much needed episode. Hey everybody, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Greg and Rachel Denning. We are the creators of the Extraordinary Family Life Formula because we're the creators of an awesome, extraordinary family life that we live. And Rachel's writing a book, and I am writing a book, and actually thoroughly enjoying this process. And man, we, life is so good, isn't it, babe? Yes. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> Whatever you say, dear. <laughs> uh, I didn't we, mean to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much going on in life right now, and it's so busy and overwhelming, but it's awesome. What's the alternative? An underwhelming life? No, thank you. That'd be lame. That would be so lame. So today, we, we got a really great question, and the question was, how, how do you not let your kids, when your kids get in a negative funk or a family funk or your spouse, when the people around you like are grumpy, grump, are grumpy or down or negative when they have a bad attitude, how do you not let that affect you? In other words, how do you not get pulled down or dragged down? I like that word dragged down. How do you not get dragged down by the people who are in your proximity when they go negative? And it's a phenomenal question. Mm-hmm. And it's and a legitimate one, challenge. And a very legitimate challenge. It's particularly, I think maybe we've lost touch with this a little bit because <laughs> our family dynamic is so positive. Overall like, positive. Yeah. Like the vast majority of the 80 time. 80 plus percent for sure. I would say like 98 Point eighty percent. You are higher in, in optimism than I am. I have more neuroticism. That's, that's than you Rachel's neurotic. That's her negativity coming out there, saying we're only eighty percent good. Um, 
No, like most percent positive. Like it's like it's an, a very tiny, tiny issue in our family because we've been so deliberate and intentional about it from the get go. Which, which so we learned how to do this early on, so we've created the result. Yes, which definitely started with you. So this is, I think, it's a great example of. You love to say a rising tide lifts all boats. I mean, this is a great example of that. You are the one who started out being positive, and you started doing that before we met yep. as a teenager. Because of this very thing. I, right. I was around, well, man, as a teen, I was in bad neighborhoods around either toxic people or discouraged people or negative people. Or legitimately depressed yeah. and suicidal people. Yeah, really dark spots. And, so the, and I got jobs in those areas at, at gas stations in the bad part of town, mm-hmm. these grindy restaurants and movie theaters and like manual labor. I was working around very negative people. And I felt it. Like you felt it. We all feel it. You, you, we have these mirror neurons and we, we're experiencing life socially and you, you sense the heaviness and the negativity. So it's it's a real, it's a real challenge. Do you're going along and you're around people, and I and I just remember that before I met you, I'm like, I'm sick of this, man. I'm sick of negative people, you know, putting their negativity all over me, just sliming me with their pessimism. I'm done with this crap. And so I I did. I wrestled with the same thing. I'm like, is it possible to be positive when others are negative? So th- there's your first question. You, you got to wrestle with that in your own mind. Is it possible for you to be positive when others are negative? And inevitably, I, everyone I've ever asked that to, they're like, well, yeah, it's hard, but <laughs> it's possible. Yes, it's possible. <laughs> and I even ask, um, I've had clients who have had chronic illnesses uh, or tough pregnancies. And, and I'll ask them too, is it possible to be happy even when you don't feel well? And they've all told me, yeah, it is. So we start with this basic framework of it's possible for you to operate independently of what's going on around you. You're independent of the circumstances of other people. So if they're negative, it doesn't mean you have to be negative. We have to start with that framework. Right. Because if you're... You're opening up your mind to this realm of possibility because otherwise... Maybe unconsciously, if we're not thinking about it, we think, oh, that's not possible. I can't be happy. If everyone's going to be down, I go down too. And so why are we even having this conversation if you don't start with the premise of like, wait a minute. Yeah, unless you consciously realize, oh, wait, no, that is a possibility. And one of the reasons we know it's a possibility is because of, what is it, extreme examples Let's say... The hiding place and The hiding place. Exactly. That's where I was going. Man's search for meaning... The Gift by Edith Eager, like these these examples of extreme circumstances where ultimately they walked away. That's a message of man's search for meaning. He walked away saying, despite your circumstances, you have the ability to choose how you will respond. Yep. Your attitude and mind. That ones. is the major takeaway yep. of something like a concentration camp. Yep. So that's powerful right there. So you're right. If you consciously say, okay, yes. It is possible for me to choose how I will respond despite the circumstances or the situation or the people I'm And I'm sure that's exactly where I got it because I read those books when I was 17. Yeah, you're right. That's where it started. And I'm I'm in this bad part of town and life is horrible and sad. I'm surrounded by people committing terrible crimes and living these just wretched lives of misery. And I was miserable. And I'm reading The Hiding Place, the hiding mm-hmm. place and reading Man's Search for Meaning. And they're like, no, man, the, the one freedom nobody can ever take from you is your attitude and, right. and the thoughts you choose to have and, and how Betsy had compassion for the Nazi guards. She's mm-hmm. like, I feel so bad for them. They're, they're so much worse off than we are. And I'm reading that as a 17-year-old going, what? Mm-hmm. No, man, it's me. I, like, I'm the sad one here. <laughs> I'm the victim. And it totally changed things. Right. And I realized, wait a minute, I can choose. So if they can yeah. do it in that, I can easily do it at work mm-hmm. where people are negative. Right? So you start with that framework. And then I think the next step is, well, what would you like to do? Who would you like to be 
in those difficult situations, right? You have to be able to visualize it. You have to see it. You have to yeah. picture it. How would I respond to this as my best self? Is or as just my positive awesome. self. Or my positive self, right? When others are negative, what do I want to do? And you have to play that out ahead of time. Right. It's like the spiritual creation before the physical creation. So in your mind, be like, okay, let's pretend I, I go out and run some errands, or I go to work and I come home and man, everyone's in a bad mood and they're all fighting with each other. This is all a bit ugly. And, mm -hmm. and instead of you jumping in the fight and jumping into the diving headfirst into the drama, how would you like to behave? Mm -hmm. And you think through it mentally before you're actually in that situation. In fact, some of the ways you do this is by anticipating it. This is one of the things that years ago I remember us thinking that I think we listened to Wayne Dyer and he said something about it that it's actually neurotic for us to expect our kids to not get upset right. or to not <laughs> fight. It's actually crazy for us to think they're going to be perfectly happy all the time. They're going to not fight. They're going to get along all the time. So in reality, so we should be anticipating that these things are going to happen. We're going to come home or we're going to come downstairs and they're going to be fighting or they're going to be doing, you know, something disturbing or frustrating or irritating. They are going to make messes. They're going exactly. to embarrass you. Yeah. I remember thinking, our kids will never embarrass us. Because <laughs> I would see other parents in embarrassing situations yeah. before we had kids. And I was like, my kids will never embarrass us. Exactly. Man, was that silly. <laughs> and so right? if you anticipate that instead and mentally walk through this role playing in a way, saying, okay, I know I'm going to go downstairs. I know I'm going to get home from work and my kids are going to be grumpy. How am I going to respond yeah. to that? Now, a little caveat here. That might actually become negative forecasting. Well, yes. You might, you might actually become negative <laughs> by thinking about the negative things that are, like, are I know my kids are going to yeah. be. Oh, I'm already in a bad mood. I haven't even gone home because I know as soon as I get home, my kids will be in a bad mood. And you're like, whoa, man, you're setting yeah. that fire. So you do this from a really positive state where you're like, okay, I mean, it's human nature. Like, and, and again, if you train your kids and raise your kids well and, you're, and you have a good relationship, this will get rarer and rarer. It's like in our family, it's, it's really rare. The kids generally don't fight and they're pretty positive. Like we, we have a really great family dynamic because we've been intentional about it. I don't say that to brag. I say that, I, I share that literally as, as, as hope and proof. Like if, if you're intentional about it, like the results are real. They're real and they're tangible mm -hmm. and they're awesome. But if you can anticipate some kind of scenario, if it's happened before, it may happen again. Walk through it and picture it. Say, okay, my kids, let's say a couple of my kids get into a fight. How do I want to handle that? How would, how would I handle it for my best self? And then you walk through it and then guess what? When it happens, you'll be like, oh, it didn't caught me off. It didn't catch me off guard. Because I already thought through the scenario, mm -hmm. and now I know what to do because I already came to a conclusion. It's so hard to think clearly when you're in reactive mode. Yeah. I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble. We're reacting. We're not responding deliberately. We're reacting unconsciously. Mm -hmm. So, And it's usually because it catches us off guard, which, again, back to your right. point, is so ridiculous. Like, everything's just going to be rainbows and unicorns after we get married. <laughs> And this all bliss, and I'm kids. like, are you kidding me? I thought my kids would never do this, right? And you're like, no, okay, it's gonna, it, we're going to have this reality check. So then how do I want to respond? And you guys, if this is, this is one of the most powerful things you can do. To do the mind work and the writing, you've got to write this down. Write it out as clearly as possible. Who you want to be. And how you want to do life. Like picture it, see it, make some commitments, set some alerts, write down some declarations or affirmations or capture it in your philosophy journal. How are you going to respond when others are negative? And then if you take deep responsibility and ownership for the energy you bring, how you show up, and it has to be independent of others. Yes. Which is where, I think that's where I made that switch early on. 
Well, I, I want you to finish, but I, want, I do want to say something about that. Are you finished? Go. Okay. <laughs> because as you're talking, I'm thinking that I think one of the problems people run into with this, and I know for me it's been a struggle too, is that you think, you might think in your mind that, okay, I'm going to go in, I'm anticipating the situation, I'm going to be positive, and everyone's going to respond and change and be happy. It's going to be amazing. And in reality, I think if you have the intention of changing the other person's mood by you forcing happiness and positivity onto them, that doesn't really work. And so that's not what this is about. It's not about changing their mood. It's really about just maintaining your mood, maintaining your positivity. So when you're talking about taking ownership, you're taking ownership of how you feel, not about how they feel. the outcome. Yes. Oh, thank you. That's so important. And in fact, I think a key ingredient or part of this is actually just accepting their attitude and acknowledging it and in some ways helping them process through it because if your kids are grumpy about something they usually have a reason and so if you can maintain your own positivity without being you know inappropriate inappropriately positive or inconsiderate or inconsiderately positive and then say hey what's going on you know what's happening why don't you tell me about it or is, is are you feeling this way especially for younger kids, um, narrating for them or, or articulating for them helps because like, oh, are you upset because your sister did this thing? Yeah, that's what and, it is. And ask questions. Yeah. Don't put declarative right. statements. You don't go planting things in kids that aren't there. Yes. But so, that helps them to voice how they're feeling. And for even older kids sometimes, you know, they need this. They need help finding the right words of explaining how it is why they feel the way they do. So, but in order for that to be done well, you need to not be caught up in their negative emotion per se. And, and this is interesting. And it's a, there's a little bit of an art form here because you want to be um, empathetic and, and you want to f- kind of feel what they feel, but you don't have to take on their burden. Yeah. And you don't have to try to prevent it. I think sometimes we step in and we're like, oh, we don't want our kids to feel sad or angry yeah. or pain all the time. And so we step, we try to tell them they don't have to or they don't need to. Or right. like, hey, let's just change. We're not doing that. We're not talking about yeah. that because they need to feel the full range of emotions. But it doesn't have to, you don't have to, like if, if your kid, here's a perfect example. If your kid makes a mistake and they need to feel bad for it, you don't have to feel bad for it because you didn't make the mistake. Mm-hmm. So you need to have empathy for what they're feeling and experiencing, but maintain your state. Yeah. The same is true when others come to you, your kids or others, and they come and they share their burden with you, which in, in our work with coaching, we get gigantic loads mm-hmm. dumped on our shoulders. If I were to even take on a fraction of the loads that get shared with me, you because know, a lot of people like the spiritual leaders do it, counselors do it. They'll, they, they almost feel like they have to take the load off the individual and take it on themselves, mm-hmm. and it right. crushes them. It yeah. can't not. It would just demolish me if I was taking on this load. So I can be right there. I can be present. I can even feel it. I have, I have the ability to feel what people are feeling, and, and I can be right there with them, but not take on the burden. Yeah. I don't have to own that. And I think that that is sometimes what's happening is they're feeling an emotion, and you're feeling it with them, or, or I think moms like to do that. They want to remove that from them, and so it's almost like they feel it too, hoping that the kids no longer feel it when it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just want to emphasize what you said because I know that that's so important, that we can't prevent them from feeling the full emotions of being human. And in fact, when we try to prevent them from feeling those things, we're actually handicapping them, mm-hmm. really. Like, we're, we're weakening them. They won't be as strong if nor they don't... Nor as complete. Nor as complete if they don't go through feeling those emotions. But what we do need to do is help them learn how to feel them appropriately. 
and how to work through them in a healthy way. So those are kind of the tools we need to focus on if there's a lot of negative emotion happening. You know, if there's a lot of grumpiness, if there's a lot of discontent, like all of those are simply symptoms and signs of other issues, deeper problems. Or needs not being met. Or needs not being met, exactly. And so it's when we focus on the source of those feelings that we can actually resolve the real issue. And and I think, you know, maybe when you know when someone's asking, well, how do I not get grumpy when my kids are getting grumpy? I think part of the problem is without them realizing it or knowing how to articulate it per se, my kids feeling grumpy, that means they're upset about something. I'm upset that they're upset about something, so I'm feeling grumpy too. And so the real the real question is, how do we solve this? How do we get to the heart of the issue, right? <laughs> So that we can all feel better. We can all feel happier. And I think that's a part of it is recognizing that this is a process of the human journey. We're going to feel these emotions. And part of the solution is if you don't know how to help them process the emotions, you need to learn how to process the emotions. And then you can share with them the process of doing that. Yes. But you can't give what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. Exactly. Right. And so if you are in a really good emotional mental emotional place and and you can stay in a in a good emotional state you're that much more effective in in the energy you bring to the environment and the problem and 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 in some situations staying positive and peaceful will actually create the change you want like i'll come in sometimes and there's any kind of negative i can just come right in with just a ray of sunshine and it's all gone it Mm -hmm. goes away it just, uh, the darkness dissipates when you bring the light. And then other times you come in and they're positive and they, they just, they want to sit with it. I'm like, okay, but I'm going to stay positive and go on. And, and they see that. And, and we're setting and modeling these, these examples. Yeah. I thought of one more thing though I want to bring up because I think sometimes what happens is if the child is getting upset or grumpy and it triggers you to feel that way, well, sometimes the problem isn't actually them, it's you. Mm-hmm. It's that something is unresolved within yourself that you haven't dealt with and it's being triggered by whatever emotion that they're feeling. And maybe it's reminding you of something, something in your past or something that happened and that's never been addressed, it's never been solved. And here it is now being brought up. And so that's, an, I think, another reason sometimes why we can grab onto those emotions of the people around us because it's it's stacking on top of the emotions we've already had in the past, right. especially the ones that we haven't processed or worked through. Or like um, the, the thorn that yeah. the untethered soul talks about in that great book where you got this thorn and you're protecting your thorn and your spouse or your kids can flick your little thorn yeah. and Accidentally, oh even. baby, <laughs> whatever they're experiencing now, oh, it hits that. And it brings up all that pain. So good. That's one reason. Hey guys, it's Rachel just interrupting for a minute here. I wanted to let you know that Greg and I actually did an entire workshop teaching your children to manage their emotions. Now, of course, this plays into ultimately learning how to manage your own emotions. So it's a very powerful workshop that goes into both personal emotional management as well as modeling and teaching your kids how to do this. Now, this was a workshop that we did as part of our formula, is what we call it. It's the Extraordinary Family Life formula that we have created. And every month, we go live in Zoom. We do workshops on different topics. And the Teaching Emotional Management workshop was one that we did and we we recorded. And it's in there along with literally dozens and dozens and dozens of workshops covering everything from parenting to marriage to money to family life and culture. Things like how to stop yelling at your kids and the real reason your kids won't do what you say and how to talk about sex and have difficult conversations with your spouse. All of these things are topics that we cover in hour-long workshops that are part of the formula. So when you join the formula... You get access to all of these past recordings, plus you get to meet live with Greg and me every single month. It's super valuable. It's very powerful. You get to ask us questions directly. So it's like listening to our podcast, 
but you actually get to talk to us and you get to say, well, what about this? And what about that? And we have these similar type discussions, but we also get to have your feedback and we get to have your specific questions. So it's something that's very powerful and very useful. And we have a great community in there. So if you want to learn more about joining the formula and specifically about taking the workshop on teaching emotional mastery and control, then make sure to click the link in the show notes and it will take you to a page that will tell you more about it. Now back to the episode. I think another, I think another one might be maybe there isn't necessarily a thorn there or an issue, but you still lack, you may, perhaps you're underdeveloped in maintaining your own emotional sovereignty mm-hmm. where you don't quite have the strength and fortitude, which I, I actually, as I'm saying this out loud and I'm picturing it, it's one thing to be just positive when everything's going right. It's another level to be positive and optimistic and in a good state when things are going wrong. And that takes some exercise. And the exercise gives you that strength. And so we all want to become that caliber of a person where, you know, whatever's going on, I can stay in a good place. Um, and so that's something you work on and you develop. I think the way to start there, because... And some of you listening are going to be like, okay, great, this is all awesome, I get it. How do I actually do it? And one thing we've loved to do for a long time is just ask people, what, what is your predominant emotion? What are you feeling most of the time? That's a really great question. I think I won't ask all of you who are listening. Just answer that again. And maybe it changes from time to time, but take an average week right now in your life. What do you feel most of the time? What do you feel, babe, most of the time, right now? Um, drive and ambition. Nice. <laughs> to get lots of things done. Yeah. I think I'm the same. I, right now, we have, we have so many moving parts and so much going on, big, big things. Yeah, I, I wake up feeling driven and a need to be productive active and productive and effective. Like, we mm-hmm. cannot be messing around right now. we got to get things done. Mm-hmm. So the most common answer we get from audiences we've spoke to, from adults is usually some, the most common answer is some form of irritation or frustration. When you really sit with you, you're like, what do you feel most of the time? You're like, man, I feel bothered. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. It's one of the most common ones. It's like, oh man, here we go. Like life could be so good. And unconsciously, we're feeling bothered most of the time. Yeah. It's really insightful. So, so you answer that question and see where you're at. And then the next question is, what would you like to feel most of the time? And again, this isn't a one, one emotion. Yeah. Like, oh, for the rest of my life, I'm just going to be... <laughs> Monotone, happy. Yeah, happy. <laughs> it's not that. You want a full range of emotions. You, you want to be able to feel it all when it's, when it's the right time and place to feel it all. But I do believe we can choose an emotion that we feel most of the time. Or at least a... Um... I want to say like a range or a genre mm-hmm. or a sure <laughs> a color scheme of emotions. I like it, the color right? scheme. And so, yeah, you pick your palette. So it's like, it's not like one tone. It's yeah. not like you're playing one key all the time. It's a chord maybe or, or a couple chords together. Love it. And so you, you, you choose like, well, how do I want to operate? And then we even have our clients. We'll have them choose and we'll have them choose depending on the day where if they've got, you know, they have, it's a really busy day. They want to be. Uh, peaceful or calm or if they've got something or maybe they want to be productive yeah or they're like i want to get after i want to go today or sometimes they'll want to be patient or they want serenity or sometimes they want excitement or drive mm-hmm. and it, like this is so cool and for a lot of people it's new like this is a novelty to be like what i remember when i first learned I'm like, i can choose my emotion are you kidding me i just thought emotion happened to me mm-hmm. i really did i wholeheartedly believe that i'm like no, like how I feel, well, it all depends on like how I wake up in the morning and how I feel. How I slept. And, and, like how, how my What's morning starts. On? Like if things don't work out well, if I'm running late, well, I can't help but feel a negative emotion. <laughs> Somebody cuts me off, says something mean. If things don't work out, are you kidding me? How could I possibly feel positive about that? That This was the world yeah. I operated in. And when this idea was introduced to me, it just blew my mind. At first, I resisted. I'm like, come on, man. You can't choose your emotions. Your emotions are a result of what happens to you. Mm-hmm. But then the reality is like, no, you, I, I get to wake up every morning. I have to choose my emotion. 
And what if I don't wake up feeling that emotion? What if I don't wake up? What if I, <laughs> I don't wake up? What if I don't want to wake up? <laughs> Whatever it is, like, and, and I'll also wake up feeling cruddy. You just get up and you're like, mm. man, I'm tired and sore. And then I notice, I'm like, okay, what do I want to feel? And then I switch. And, and again, I make it sound easy because I've been practicing. Well, this. you have made it easy because yeah. you've practiced. Right. Yeah. So I just flip the switch and I'm, let's go. And so I, I get to choose my emotions. And, you know, whether something works well or something doesn't work out at all or poorly or something, you know, frustrations, things don't happen the way we'd like or stresses, like whatever's happening, we always have a choice. And I think part of the point that maybe people don't realize unless they've practiced this is it doesn't mean that you don't feel those things. You do get irritated. You do get annoyed. You do get frustrated and whatever. But you have developed me? the... Me? Like you as in me? Let me finish. Okay. You, I don't know if you're using you as the general English term no, for people. You, Greg Denning. Okay. Ustedes. It's not ustedes. It's usted. It's tú. <laughs> you, Greg Denning, have developed the ability to change that in a moment and that's happened through practice now it's possible for everyone for some people it takes longer to do that but the point is you feel the irritation frustration annoyance whatever and then you can make the switch for which for you has become within seconds but with practice you know anyone can do that with for some people, it might start out and it takes them an hour or two to recover from some annoyance or irritation, or longer, might maybe it takes a week. A week. <laughs> <laughs> some people are like that. But with practice, you can shorten that time so that you can then switch in moments. Yeah, which is so relevant to a family situation yeah. where your kids drop something, break something, make a mess, Spill do something, something foolish, fight, and your instant reaction is like, ooh. I'm going to wring your oh, neck. That makes me so <laughs> angry, so frustrated, so, ah. And if you catch yourself, feel it for a second, and then switch it. Flip the switch. And I'm not, I'm not burying, so just right. to be transparent here, I'm not burying, I'm not ignoring, I'm not numbing, I'm not buffering, I'm not dismissing. I feel it, I sense it, I process it really fast. And I'm like, well, that's not how I want to show up here in this moment. Or another technique we use is, creating a paradigm shift, a momentary paradigm shift. So where initially you're responding in anger and upset and thinking, how could you do this? This is so ridiculous. This is horrible. This is terrible. But then if you shift the paradigm and look at it from a different perspective, you're like, oh, okay, I understand why this is happening, where you're coming from, what you're feeling. And so then the emotion switches with the paradigm shift. Exactly. Because when you see things differently, when you see them from a different angle, you feel differently about it. That's what's incredible about emotions is that the only reason we're feeling the thing we're feeling is because of the way we're viewing it. But if we change the way we view it, we also change the way we feel about it. Okay. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> so this is what I've been asking this question to, to my clients about you know, marriage particularly, but it works for kids. Pause for a second. And just ask yourself, what's it like to be my spouse? What's it like to be married to me? Right? Game changer. Talk about paradigm shift. But it's true with kids. Just pause for a second and say, what's it like to be my child? Well, to, you know, a child. So pick a child and say, what's it like to be them? And then say, what's it like to be my son or daughter? Flip that paradigm. Mm-hmm. And it'll change the emotion. And I think most of us will realize there's, there's something there, there's a dynamic that's going to help you understand your child or your spouse and help you make some changes and help, help you respond appropriately mm-hmm. with the child. Right. That's a, ah, that's a beautiful paradigm shift. What's it like, listeners, to be your kid? <sighs> oh, that's good. So, we're going along. You're, you're choosing your predominant emotion. What do you want to feel most of the time? You're choosing your emotion at least daily, if not throughout the day. And, and we can do it. We've talked about this before where you can stop at transitions. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work. What do I want to feel at work? I'm going to this meeting. What do I want to feel? I'm going to sit down to do a home education with the kids. I need to have a tough conversation. What do I want to feel? 
What energy do I want to bring? I'm coming back home. I'm re-engaging with the family. What do I feel? Oh, everyone's in a funk. How do I want to feel when the family's in a funk? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do? Not expecting them to change, but saying, I'm going to maintain my emotional sovereignty here. Again, not numbing, not being distant or, oh, I'm not going to participate in that. Or putting on a mask or... <clears throat> right. It's like, no, I want to be... I want to be in my best self and in, in a great spot so I can be a resource here. And then practice being that. And, and the way to like fortify and strengthen ourselves is what we did in our last podcast. The last podcast was all about the morning routines. And just, man, just making sure you are filled and in a good place. So there's tons of resources there. We've done so many other things around this. I, I, one more thing I'd like to add is like, Set yourself up for success. Like, what are the things that make you feel good consistently? What are the things, the stimuli, we, we could mm-hmm. call them, um, that help you get into a good positive state or help you recover from a negative state? Well, yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking when you were walking through this scenario of, oh, I come in, the kid, everyone's grumpy, everyone's in a negative mood. And I'm like thinking, oh, put on some music, you know, because that's what we would do in our house. <laughs> and we have teenagers who are really good at doing that, which actually helps a lot with just the mood, especially, you know, we've all been doing our stuff, working on our schoolwork, our work or whatever. And sometimes you feel tired after that, you feel drained and they instinctively go and put on music. And it's interesting how without realizing what they're doing, that is kind of what they're doing. They're recovering from mental, emotional, physical work and bringing positive energy by putting on music. And they use it as a pick-me-up. Yeah, they they absolutely do. And music is so powerful. It works great for that. But that's kind of an example of what to do, you know, and you can do that with your family, with your kids, if that's another technique. If they're feeling grumpy, put on some music. Or be silly, you know? Sometimes that, I know you use that a lot, and that works great with even our teenagers, but definitely with the younger kids, is you start being silly and playful, and that can switch their mood. Dude, that works <laughs> so far the whole spectrum. Yeah, exactly. From six Tickling, months wrestling. old until so up to 20, it's still yeah. working. Works like <laughs> a champ. Use humor and fun and wrestling. Yeah, tickling. Just but not, not in a way that's... Um, it's not annoying. And yeah, not in an annoying way or a uh, discounting way. I'm not sure how to say it. Like, it's not that you're totally discounting their emotions, but you're, you're just being playful and helping them change their state, yep. essentially. So yeah, it's thinking through things like that. What works for your kids? What works for you? You know, maybe you need to get outside, go on a walk, go out into nature, go... Just doing something. It's a pattern interrupt, essentially. Yeah. A, a little bit of, um, for some of my clients, a little bit of quiet meditation. Um, just some deep breathing. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a nap. Maybe you need to listen to um, some music or listen to a podcast or watch a, an inspiring video. Or maybe you have a go-to book. That every time you read that book, man, it just oh, yeah. just settles you and grounds you. Like The Keep Majesty of Calmness. that book around. <laughs> yeah, The Majesty of Calmness. That's yeah, so good. Um, William George Jordan. William George Jordan. So good. Well, like you said, breathing. I'll, I do that with my two youngest girls. When they get all upset about something, one of the first things I do is I'm like, okay, take a deep breath because it helps them to calm down. There's science behind that. I mean, there is, I know you know yeah. that, but listeners like... This because that's an old hey, take a breath, take breathe mm-hmm. to 10. It's because there's science behind that. You're sending oxygen to your brain that's all freaking out, it's yeah. gone into fight or flight mode, and you just send a bunch of oxygenated blood up there. And the brain's like, Oh, oh we're okay. okay, okay, we're not gonna die <laughs> exactly. So then, then once they take a breath and calm down a little more, then you can talk about, Okay, what is happening? Let's walk through what's happening here so we can understand it, we yeah. can make sense of it and decide what to do about it. Yeah, beautiful. Now, I have to lovingly take this moment to be blunt because some of you, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> some of you just get bothered too easily and you get bothered by small things. 
And, and one thing I said to myself years ago, I was like, hey, man, only small people get bothered by small things. You're being small, Greg. Outgrow this. And, and so I say it frankly, but with love, like you need to outgrow that and stop, stop being small. And, 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 and I would say it lovingly to your face. Like if I'm there with you and you're getting upset about something, I'm like, really? You're really going to get upset about this. You're really going to ruin your day, this moment, this whole vibe because you're bothered about some little thing. Really? Are you going to be that petty? And, and it's straight talk. I know it, but but I, I do it in, in love and for your benefit because it's you that's suffering and the people around you. If you're getting upset and sometimes really, really upset over stupidities, trivialities, you're, you're throwing away your own peace, mm-hmm. your own enjoyment. Like you're costing yourself your life because the quality of, of your life ultimately is how you feel. The day quality in, day of out. your moment. Yeah. It's, so, it's your moments added together make up your life. And if you're spending your moments and therefore your life being bothered, I feel bad for you. Genuinely. Although I'm not going to let it bother mine. It ruin my day. <laughs> I don't feel that bad. No. Because I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm going to have a fantastic day. And if you go just tank your whole day because you're bothered about something, I'm sorry for you, bro. I'm still going to have a great day. And, and there's something there. And you might be like, well... It, Again, the, the default reaction is, well, it's not my fault. That's just the way I am. Uh, it's my personality. Well, and I'm like, no, bogus. That's all bogus. That's all a lie. And you're just lying to yourself. And you're telling yourself more. And I'm sure your head's full of all kinds of other crap stories, too. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting fired up here. Well, Stop or, lying to yourself and outgrow that crap. Or it's not my fault. It's my kids' fault because they're the ones getting upset about all the little things. they're making me feel this way. That's another lie. So, yeah, I mean, there's two sides of this here. One is, we call it, you have too many rules. Because people do. They, they, they will have all of these rules in their head, mostly, of how things are supposed to be done. And then if someone breaks that rule, even though they don't know it's a rule, you, you know, lose it. You get so upset. And... So... In this whole thing, because you're like, well, that's what my kids are like. They have all these rules, and they're getting so upset, and then it's rubbing off on me. Well, part of the problem is because you have a rule that they shouldn't be getting upset. And so because that's your rule, when they get upset, you get upset, and now everyone's upset. That doesn't help. So you're right. You stop getting bothered by small things, which in this case is your children, because even your teenagers are small compared to where we should be as adults and and ultimately the things they do most of the things they're doing are small even like this morning rachel and i were having conversation with some friends that we we had over we're talking about mickey mouse problems like most of our problems even our seemingly big problems in in the big scheme of things they're mickey mouse problems well this comes back to this idea of these false expectations it's as though we expect our kids to not make mistakes, to not do things that are wrong or off or inappropriate or like, you know, off course. When in reality, that's what they should be doing. They should be making mistakes. They should be failing. They should be acting their age. They should be acting their age. Because where <laughs> else is a better place for them to do it but at home? And, and- and what could they possibly act out otherwise than what they are? Yeah. Like, how can... It's neurotic of us to expect a, a nine-year-old to act like a 13-year-old. Right. Like, that's or, just foolish. Or to expect even a teenager to act like a 40-year-old. An adult, exactly. Why aren't you making more adult decisions? Like, well, why aren't you 15. Yeah, why aren't you doing all of these things that are common sense? And you're like, well, it's common sense to you because you're an adult and you have more life experience. It's not common sense for someone who's 15 or 17 or 12. And so, yeah, it's these rules we have about how our children should be behaving or not behaving 
when in reality, this is their mortal experience, their life experience of learning how to be a human. Right, they're just trying to figure it out. And if like they make a mistake, did. we should just be like, yeah. oh, yep, yeah. I'm not surprised you made that mistake because guess what? You're only 15. And, and we do ourselves and our children a huge disservice when, because we have fully developed brains at 25. So from a fully developed functioning brain, we're looking at a child or a teen and saying, why don't you think like me? Why didn't ultimately? you think through that? Why didn't, yeah, why didn't you think through this? And you're like, hello? Your like, prefrontal cortex is not fully developed. Not, That's why. It's not even fully connected in there, let alone do they have enough life experience to, to walk through that cognitively and make clear decisions. They're mm -hmm. figuring this out. And so I think we need a lot more grace and understanding for what they're trying to figure out. And then if we keep our cool, guess what? They figure it out so much more quickly and yes. easily with, without the additional trauma that we add right. by reacting. Exactly. Yeah, and so it's this idea of seeing it from a different perspective, this perspective of you're still a developing child, your brain is still developing, which, again, like you said, happens until you're 25. <laughs> and... From that perspective, oh, okay, well, yeah, I shouldn't be bothered about your, you being bothered because this is expected. This is a normal part of the journey. Yep. This is where you should be and what you should be doing. And now, of course, you guys realize that's not licensed to keep doing silly things. And be like, if, oh, it's okay, kid. Yeah, you're still a child. You're still there. <laughs> we'll just let you do it. And, and without teaching them and training them, if it becomes chronic, that's your fault. Yes. Uh, that's on you. The first time, it's on them. That's because they're a child. The second, time, or third, or fourth, it's fifth on time, you. <laughs> it's because you're not teaching them. <laughs> and and even then, that's not justification. On the fifth time, it's not justification for you to be super reactive and and make it a negative experience. You've got to figure out how to teach and coach effectively. Yeah, that's when you've got. That's when you ask yourself, how am I not teaching this effectively that they're not getting it? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? What am I missing? What dots am I not connecting here? Yeah that they're not making this connection. I love this. So overall, here, here's something else to chew on for a little bit. Overall, how do you want your children to remember you? As, as far as the, the context of this conversation here, emotionally, what do you want your children to remember you when they look back at their childhood? Because 20 years from now, they'll, they'll be with their friends or whatever, telling their kids about their childhood. How do you want them to remember you emotionally? Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. Some will look back and go, oh, man, my dad was always grumpy. He was always upset. He was just And, and he's thinking, I'm always grumpy because my kids are always grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> so my kids are always made, made, made me grumpy. Like, whatever your lame excuses are, it, it honestly doesn't even matter what your excuses are. Whatever justification or rationalization you have, at the end of the day, your kids will have a memory of you being a certain way. You get to choose what that is. And you can be happy or jovial or numb. They might be like, yeah, my, my parents were flatlined. They didn't feel anything or express anything. They just existed. Or whatever, whatever emotion it is, right? So you have to think about this legacy. This, this is huge. Mm -hmm. This is huge because it's fitting into the legacy, the family legacy that you're building, your life legacy and your reputation. is, And, and again, the people you interact with at work or at church or in your community, they all are taking the same assessment of you. That We're reading each other subconsciously all the time. It's like, what is this person like emotionally? Are they, are they just all round up, wound up real tight and tense? Are they just laissez-faire, like whatever, pura vida? Or are they like, well, nothing matters? What, go, like, what are they like? What are you like? And then you establish your emotional reputation and legacy. This is huge. And it's all, it's all a matter of choice mm -hmm. and practice. And practice. So choose and then practice. And then keep choosing. Day by day. And keep practicing. Moment by moment. <laughs> <laughs> and when you drop the ball, be quick to notice it and even apologize. 
um, I remember, you know, years ago when I was trying to make these changes, I, I would have to apologize often to the kids. Like, hey, sorry, gosh, I'm trying to be really positive and not reactive. And, and that time you just caught me off guard. I reacted. I'm really sorry. And I kept doing that until I'm like, well, now, now I'm like, that, that's rare, rarer it's and rarer. definitely more rare. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the goal. I don't, we're not, I mean, obviously we're striving towards the ideal of perfection, but when we're getting up in the high percentile of good, like when, when, when negative reactions are more rare than the, than the positive ones, man, we're in a good place and you're succeeding. So, and pick your percentage too. Like if, if, if you're doing great 70, 80% of the time and you call that success, bam, fantastic. Unless the, the, the small percentage of time, your explosions are so ugly <laughs> that they're overpowering and damaging and causing emotional trauma. You got to stop that crap. But the, the coolest power is you have that power to do that. That's the, that is the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. You have the power to choose what you feel, how you feel, independent of what anybody else says or does. Nobody can make you feel anything. And again, you guys, I, I have to emphasize this. This is coming from a guy who used to have an insane temper. That's you. That was me. I had crazy temper. I would get so angry because of what other people did. I blamed them and I believed it was their fault. They're the ones that made me mad. And I realized that's actually not true. Nobody can make me feel anything. And when I I came to that realization, started practicing it, yeah, total transformation. Mm-hmm. Of the emotional way of being. Booyah! Love this stuff. Okay, thanks, you guys. Um, if if you subscribe to the podcast, if you haven't yet, and share this. Anyone you can think of that you're like, man, they need they need this reminder. <laughs> you're like you have, really need to hear this. You really need to know about <laughs> yeah. this. But share it because this is it's powerful for all of us. We can all live in a better emotional state. I mean, play your life out like that. Imagine your life with you operating most of the time in a way better emotional state. That's just an awesome existence. And we want that for all the people around us too. So share well, it with the, that, the people you love. That is what, like you were saying before, that is what makes life better. Because life is made of your moments. And if your moments are f- filled with better emotions, you have a better life. Yep. That's really how it works. Even if your circumstances aren't yet ideal, exactly. you can still have a better life. Lean into the, the positive emotions and have a more positive existence. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Okay, love you guys. Reach upward.